Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Mark Standriff on the show. A former radio host, Standriff now directs Beautify Fresno, a campaign to clean up Fresno that you've probably seen on Instagram or heard about in the media. One small disclaimer before we go any further here. One small disclaimer before we begin this episode. At the beginning, we discuss the broken windows theory, which is both controversial and has been associated with certain policing tactics. Mark and I do not discuss the controversies about the policing tactics associated with the broken windows theory, but instead focus on the ideas undergirding the theory that decay or neglect leads to general disregard for one's city and neighborhood. In other words, to put this theory in more simpler terms, people see a dirty environment and that changes their attitudes towards maintaining their neighborhood and crime can be correlated uh, with those environmental factors. Obviously, crime is far more complicated, but I just wanted to put this out here at the jump so you don't feel like I'm overlooking that aspect of the broken windows theory. Talking about the associated issues with policing would have taken this conversation somewhere else and away from the subject at hand. Anyway, let's get into it and meet Mark best. Fresno's best. Um, so we'll start with uh, where we always start. Uh, Mark, where do you like to eat in Fresno? So I've got a very eclectic kind of um, palate uh, because, you know, I, I love uh, my, my go-to for the higher end kind of stuff is vino. Uh, my, my buddy Chuck Van Fleet there does a, a tremendous job with like a salmon salad and he's got like a, a polenta short rib uh, appetizer that's just awesome. Is that but the on the other on, hand, um, is that on Shepherd and something right there? That's um, no, that's on uh, what would be considered, I think, Champlain near Shepherd. Oh, okay, got so it. So it's yeah, in I that same general complex of the GB3, which you know is another great restaurant. And then, uh, then we've got uh, Yosemite and Maya, Maya Sushi or whatever. So, uh, but I'm also like, man, I love diner food. Love yeah. diner food. So any place I can go around town that'll just give me a good, just a slap a couple of eggs and a, 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 a crispy hash browns and a side of bacon. And I'm, you know, I'm a happy guy. So yeah, I've, well, I've got those extremes. It's good you brought that up because I, the other day, you know, I've been rewatching older movies. The other day I was rewatching, because my wife hadn't seen it before, we were watching Training Day. And in the mm. beginning of that movie, they're, you know, they go to this. You know, that's a great date night. night. I just want to say that was a perfect choice for you <laughs> yeah. and the missus. Just it's a very romantic film. <laughs> yeah. That's great. But it starts with this kind of quintessential LA diner. So what are some good, because <laughs> I really haven't explored the diner scene in Fresno. You know, so there's a couple of places. Uh, what's the one that's it's right on the west side? I think it's like Clinton and 99. I can't, Al's, I think, is the name of it. Okay. Uh, I like that place. Uh, I just I like, I like a good IHOP or a Denny's, man. I'm just, you know, again, just give it to me simple. I don't, you know, it's uh, you know, it, 10 bucks with the tip. I'm out the door. That's, that's a good hearty breakfast. So yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really need much. But, but I tell you, there's a... There's actually a place in Sacramento because I lived up there for about a dozen years before I moved down to Fresno. Uh, they actually have a, there's a place that's, it's a dessert diner. 
It's called Rick's Dessert Diner. It's an actual old, like, legitimate diner with the 50s booths and the, the roll tuck, you know, upholstery and the, the long counter and everything like that. And that all they serve are pies, cakes, brownies, and cookies, man. Ooh. That's it. And a cup of coffee. And, and what they do is, and they're smart about this, they're open from like six at night till four in the morning. And what a great place to go after you've been out, you know, whether you're bar hopping or you're out at a party or a big event and you just, you don't want to, you don't want to go to a restaurant to actually feel like maybe I should get an appetizer or a meal. You're just, you're really in, this is a slice of pecan pie or a, or a piece of cheesecake or something like that with a cup of coffee before you go to bed. It's, that's, oh that's God. heaven on a plate, man. That sounds wonderful. It reminds me of this place uh, when I used to live in San Francisco and uh, I'd go on a date or something and there's this, they had this thing, it was called, it was like a chocolate cafe. And so Mm. they had chocolate coffees and little desserty things. And it was just the perfect, like you go to the theater or something and you're like, all right, well, I guess we can go to another bar or we could do something to really show you know, that I've got many different sides to me, including a, a sweet side. And so it's, it's a perfect thing. Um, but we're on here to talk about trash, ultimately. Um, and talking about... <laughs> you like that so transition right there. So we're talking trash. No, that, listen, I, I, uh, I love a good segue. You know, the other night was, uh, I was trying to get my wife to tell me what she wanted for dinner, you know. Uh-huh. And so everything she would pull up, I go, well, speak, speaking of dental floss, what do you want for dinner? I'm just, I'm looking to, I'm kind of, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a recovering radio talk show host, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm into segues. I'll find a way to bridge the gap between one topic and another. So I'm trying, so I'm, I'm right trying there with here. you. I am not a radio Thanks, host by any means, but I, um, you know, I want to start by talking about a famous theory uh, to get your perspective on it. Um, and the theory is often referred to as the broken windows theory, which is- Francois Bastiat. I know exactly where you're going. Okay. So basically the theory is, is like, if in a neighborhood, certain things are looked at, you know, are not taken care of, then that is kind of a slippery slope uh, to, uh, you know, crime or whatever else. Um, and I've, I've, I've lived in lots of different neighborhoods um, in my life. Uh, and there are certain neighborhoods where I could tell someone cared about something and mm-hmm. certain neighborhoods where they didn't. And I, I remember um, I lived in uh, Altadena for a few years, um, which is kind of, people don't know about is kind of north of Pasadena, this kind of in the foothills. And if you go up, the further you go up north, the kind of more quote unquote rough it gets. And there was this little median that uh, was kind of down the street from my house. And just, you know, I mean, we're talking 10 foot tall weeds uh, that served as like a net to collect trash. Um, And then, you know, one Saturday, I just, it just pissed me off enough that I walked down, I started pulling weeds and this cop car pulls up next to me. He's like, you know, you're in the middle of the, uh, the street, right? And I'm like, well, you know, these damn weeds are driving me crazy. I wanted to pull the weeds. And he's like, well, that's good. Cause I, you know, we, we, I, I just haven't seen anyone out here doing that before. And I, so I, I'm, a, I'm skeptical of the broken windows theory. I think it, it's too simple a theory personally. I think, you know, cities are more complex than that, but I'd be curious what your perspective is on it. So cities are complex, but people aren't. And, and, and I'm going to explain why I think that's important because to me, and again, I'm, you know, now that I've become the, like the king of trash in, in Fresno because of my new position as the, 
the director of, of the Mayor's Initiative, Beautify Fresno. But it's something that I was always passionate about before. And I've always been a big fan of that particular broken window theory. I mean, basically, you know, the whole concept behind it is that if you're taking care of all of the little things, right? If, you're, if your attention to detail says, I'm not going to let that window go because if, if, if the shopkeeper lets the window go on the outside, what's it like on the inside? What, how much care and, 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 uh, and attention to detail are they making into to producing the product or the service that, that I'm going to hire them for, okay? So, so just think about this from a quality of presentation implies quality of, of performance. Right. And, and that has been used, I think, effectively in a number of American cities. And, I'll, and New York City is the, is the biggest example. When I lived in New York City, I was a struggling actor back in the mid-80s, and it was a horrible place to be. You know, like you went down bit, to like a little bit like uh, I'm thinking taxi driver. <laughs> oh, not yeah. quite that so bad. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was right about just a little bit after that time. This is, this is 84, 85. Uh, there was, I don't know if you ever heard about uh, Bernie Getz. He was, uh, he was attacked by these, uh, these gang members on a subway and he just pulled out a gun and, and shot him. There was just a big thing, but that was indicative of what was going on in, in New York City and specifically in Manhattan at the time. And so, you know, you, you wanted to go down to Times Square, 42nd and Broadway, man. After five o'clock, you were taking your life into your hands. Well, then all of a sudden, Rudy Giuliani comes along. And this is pre-Crazy Bernie, right? Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is, you know, this is Rudy taking over as the mayor of New York. And he decided that to clean up that area. A lot of it was, was also kind of related to the, the drug trade that was going on. And so, you know, if you wanted to buy pot, like Times Square was the way to go. So he said, if we take care of, rather than going after the big drug kingpins, I'm going to choke off the, the supply. I'm going to go after each and every one of these small time hustlers that's, that are selling dime bags. And once I cut them off, then all of a sudden it's like, now I'm going to clean up the area. And once that area is cleaned up, then all of a sudden the shop owners are saying, okay, well maybe if it's not, you know, like crime ridden and destitute down here, Maybe I will sweep my sidewalk. Maybe I will improve the facade of my building. And then he brought Disney in. Believe it or not, Disney came in and said, I want to produce a musical, but all the Broadway places up a few streets uh, you know, to the north are all taken. And Giuliani made this great deal for him. He gave him a theater right there in Times Square, and they produced The Lion King. And all of a sudden, people started coming, because that was a destination point, People started coming down to that. And now all of a sudden you're creating critical mass. And so all the bad element wants to stay away. The good element comes in and now you go to Times Square and it's like Disneyland over there. It's, it's got, you know, and it's not only does it get Broadway theater, but it's also got like the, like the greatest McDonald's you've ever seen in your life. It's yeah, like three I mean, stories and, and there's a playground in the middle. Is that roller coaster rides? It's, it's so safe. It's so safe that when I take yeah. my eighth graders for their DC, New York trip, because I'm an eighth mm -hmm. grade teacher, um, I, we, I let them go on their own in Times yeah. Square. And I, as long as they have their phones and they can contact you, me, it, I'm sure in, <laughs> in the you, 70s. You, but you 80s, couldn't have done couldn't. that 35, 40 years ago, man. There was no way you would let those kids go down there. I guess what I'm right. saying is, so Rudy Giuliani used that broken window theory. And, and so for me, for trash, for Fresno right now, this, it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of attitude and accountability. And that's where the broken window theory comes in.
Okay. That if you've got a poor attitude, if it looks like the city doesn't care, and it looks like the property owners don't care, then why do I care? And I'm just going to drop my, you know, uh, Starbucks cup wherever I feel like it. I'm going to throw my, my Burger King bag out the window because nobody's paying attention, man. And it's, it looks like a dump heap. I'm just going to throw trash wherever because there's no accountability, right? And so when you come in now and the city says, look, we're not going to put up with this anymore. And we're going to we're going to be cleaning things, not just the the big flashy, community driven you know uh, uh, cleanup projects that we do on the weekends, but every day, you're you're pushing your 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 solid waste folks to look for and proactively go after illegal dumping and don't wait for somebody to send a, a service request. That you're not going to allow graffiti to 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 suddenly you know propagate on on the highways and along buildings or whatever. You're going to think about ways to plant trees. You're going to find areas where you can establish community gardens. You're going to come up with mural programs and, and street art projects because your attitude is changing. The, and your attitude is changing because of the accountability. The accountability says, listen, the status quo is no longer acceptable. And if we want to have any sense of pride in our community, then let's start showing it at the most basic level. Let's pick up the gum wrappers and, and the cigarette butts. Let's make sure that we don't allow weeds to, to climb up and to people to, to put cars up on blocks in the middle of their front yards. Let's make sure that we're doing everything we can as a city to say things are gonna change. And when people see that, then all of a sudden, they, they, they get this sense of, of excitement and their attitudes change. And it's getting to the point right now, frankly, Jordan, it's, it's, I mean, I, I do these events now and I will cap the number of people as far as reservations at let's say a hundred and, and they, they get capped out like a week or two weeks in advance. And I got people calling me saying they're desperate. They're like, I really want to do this event, but man, you're, you're all full up. What can I do? I'm like, show up, show up. Why? Just because pick up trash in your neighborhood, like, yes, you know, yes. Walk around your neighborhood with a bag. Don't, don't let me stop you. If, if you, if you can't get to that event, you tell me where you want to meet. I'll give you paper pickers, trash bags, some gloves to work with. You let me know when you finish, and I'll have a crew from our solid waste department come by and pick up the garbage afterwards. Because, you know, again, if you've made the conscious decision that you would like to, to take a couple of hours out of your Saturday morning to go to a location and pick up somebody else's garbage, who am I the guy to say no? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so and so that kind of attitude then starts changing that. And now all of a sudden, hopefully that 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 enthusiasm starts to grow. And then more and more people start to say, you know what, if the city's not going to put up with it anymore, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I'm going right. to do my part, whether I'm taking part in a big project event that's already scheduled or like you said, I'm just going around the neighborhood. The little plastic bag, and when I see a, a wrapper or I see a cup someplace or a little paper box or something, I'm just going to pick it up. Why? Because it makes me feel better. I get a sense of accomplishment out of it. And I think the most important thing that's driving everything that we're doing right now is the fact that because of this pandemic that's been going on for a year, there's so much in people's lives that they feel like they're not in control of anymore. That I'm just I'm I'm just waiting for the government to tell me is it okay to go ahead? Can I can I eat inside a restaurant? Can I go get my haircut? Get whatever. But what's the one thing they can control? And and it's it's usually something around cleaning your organization. 
That's why, for instance, our operation cleanup, which is our, you know, we, we place those big piles out in front of our, our, our houses. And then our solid waste guys come along and they pick up the, the big piles. Usually we only get about a 60 to 60% participation rate from our residents. But during the pandemic, it's been over 90% because people say, okay, I can't control whether or not I can have the freedom to wear a mask in public. But guess what? I see this garage that's full of garbage crap. And I can get rid of that and I can clean that up and I can fix that. Or I can re I can like renovate my kitchen and then I leave a you know the stuff out on the sidewalk and then the city will come out and pick that up a little bit later on. Those are things I can control. Yeah. And so when we when we look at trash and when you decide I'm gonna go pick it up, that's that's a singular focus with a tangible result. And that's something that I think really gets to people on a very basic human level. It is that thing that I think de Tocqueville talked about when he was over here and kind of analyzing the American experience. It's that shared sense of responsibility mm-hmm. for, for maintaining your, your environment. You know, when you go over to Europe, they've got a completely different feeling. I see, you know, you see pictures in, in, in Paris and in Italy where there's graffiti all over the place. There's garbage that's just kind of lying there because people are like, hey, that's just who we are. But here in America, it's it's just different. Yeah. So, except you know, in Germany, those Germans are very clean. Oh, no, we'll say that about those you, Germans. You, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> yes, well, it's that it's that very Prussian kind of you know that 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 stoicism that says you know we're going to clean. And I've got you know German yeah. in my background too. So yeah, uh, you know those those folks are and maybe that's where I get it from. I don't know. I'm 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 a very fastidious guy. Well, you know, and I I I think. One of the one of the criticisms I hear um, about the broken windows theory, and maybe you can respond to this, is that it doesn't address the underlying issues, right? Mm-hmm. And you can clean up a neighborhood, but that doesn't help a, a struggling business. Or you can make something look pretty, but uh, you know, if if the people in that home don't have jobs, you know, that mm-hmm. that doesn't really address that issue. And maybe that's not the purpose of things like Beautify Fresno. Maybe that's not the purpose there uh, to solve no, issues. It's, it's I not. Think, I, I think when it, it's blown up to be like, this is the solution that will fix the city. It's just right. a misunderstanding of expectations. Well, but again, it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's a, I think you're right about the misunderstanding about expectations because what, what we're trying to do with beautify Fresno, we are not solving the basic problems that have generationally kept this city from really, really taking its, its rightful place as one of the great American cities. When you look at, at where we're situated in, in this state and, and in, in the Western United States, you know, Fresno should be the location where people all gravitate because it's, it's, within, it's within an hour's drive of over 50 million people, right? And, 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 you know, because of the, the resources that we have here, we've got this, this plentiful aquifer under the ground. We've got the richest agricultural uh, land in the world. Uh, we're, we're within a two and a half hour drive of the ocean and a two and a half hour drive of the, of the mountains and skiing. It's, it's incredible to be here, but we kept ourselves back because we're dealing with generational poverty. We're dealing with, uh, uh, with a, a, a population that is, is, is critically undereducated. Um, and, and because of that, our workforce suffers because of it. And that's why we don't get the businesses that, that other cities have, have done. 
But Beautify Fresno's purpose isn't to solve those problems. What it does is it deals with a specific issue. And, and we're talking about just taking pride in who we are and where we live. It's, I totally admit that it is purely cosmetic. This is just like doing a big episode of, of Extreme Makeover Fresno edition, right. right? But at the same time, and going back to the broken window theory, at the same time, by taking care of that little thing, then all of a sudden now, we've taken that out of the way. We've taken away the biggest complaint that everybody has about the city because it's like Fresno looks like crap. Man, you see trash. Everywhere. When we've taken that out of the way, when we remove that as an obstacle for people to think like, well, maybe we can, we can do good things. You know, I, I come from Toledo, Ohio, which other than Fresno is probably the, the other city in America that gets dumped on, you know, yeah. just as much. I've as, heard as many we, Toledo jokes before. Yes, yes. And, and, and because of that, the, the, the natives there, people that, like me that grew up there, have the same kind of impression about their own city that people in Fresno have, that we don't deserve to have good things because people, you know, are always, you know, making jokes about us and dumping on us. And so, you know, why, why make the effort? Because it's just going to stay bad anyway, right? Everything that we can do to break that pattern, to break that, that sense of, 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 of self-deprecation, to be able to say, you know what, we do, do deserve to have good things. It's, it's worth it for us to work a little bit harder to be able to clean up our environment so that now that's out of the way. So how do we handle the big stuff now? Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like, have you ever seen uh, like Dave Ramsey, you know, his, his whole, you know, breaking out of that, that cycle of debt, pay off one credit card. Right. And Start once small. you pay off that credit card, now you take that money and then you add it to paying off the next highest credit card bill. And then, Pretty soon you're debt free. Then you don't have any excuses for like, I don't have any money. You know, it's the same thing with the city and, and with its residents to be able to say, listen, your biggest complaint is the way this place looks. Okay. It looks pretty good now. So what do we do? What's the next step up, yeah. up on that, that, that ladder that says we're going to move forward. So when businesses start taking a look at Fresno and they say, you know what, this place, you guys are really doing a great job taking care of this you know what, I, maybe I will invest here rather than driving from the airport and, and having a meeting about maybe, you know, bringing your business here or establishing a business and you see all this graffiti and trash along the highways. It's man, if they don't care, what, why, why am I going to invest? That, that's, that's what really gets to that broken window theory. Now you're starting to hit it on a, on a, on a macro level rather than a micro level. So my job is to attack right at the very base What's the thing I can do to immediately impact the way this city looks and feels? And then later on, I'll let the bigger minds start generating ideas for how do we deal with generational poverty? How do we deal with neighborhoods that have been, you know, traditionally uh, neglected and underserved? That's, that's for them to worry about. I just want to pick up trash and plant trees, man. That's all I, I care about. I respect that. I respect you know? that. And there's, you know, the, the, those bigger questions are harder to solve obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it's going to start somewhere. You it's got to start somewhere. And, it's so like, it, it, and it's like the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we're going to take the small bites and eventually we're going to get through that elephant. It might take us a few years, but you know, it's worth the effort.
Yeah. It's, it's like when it's, my um, middle schoolers are trying to write a paragraph and they're like, I don't know what to, I don't know how to write this paragraph. And I ask them, do you know how to write one sentence? Cause that, mm-hmm. cause it's only, you can only write one sentence at a time. You can't right. write the whole paragraph at once. No. So I do want to ask you, and it's kind of a, this might come across as a loaded question and it, it, it is in some ways. Um, okay. But I think it, it gets at a, another issue that's embedded in this, which is uh, why do you think there are certain parts of Fresno that are cleaner than others? So, you know, there's a, there's a simple answer to that and there's a complex answer. The simple answer goes to, well, it, it depends on who's living where, right? right. Uh, that there are, there are but, but in my travels around Fresno, I've found little, in areas that you'd be stunned. You, 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 look at, you look at what you'd see along the main drives. Like if you drive down Fresno, if you start at like B Street and start driving south down to the Martin Luther King you know, Boulevard, you'll see a lot of trash in some areas where there's, there's like a homeless encampment over here and there's just a lot of garbage that's been piled up or somebody has unfortunately decided, you know what, I'm too lazy to take care of this, you know, heap of garbage that I have piled up on my truck, so I'm just going to dump it in the street and let somebody else worry about it. And then you hit these neighborhoods where these people are just like, they're, these residents, I love them because they're like, you know what, this is my home. I, whatever you else are doing with the rest of the city, that's the, you do what you need to do. But my home, man, this, I, I want to be, I want to have pride when I come home. I want to be able to walk, to drive into my front yard. I want to be able to walk into my house, look back behind me and say, at least I'm taking care of business. And you, you can find those pockets down there. But what's happened in those other neighborhoods, and again, this, this goes back to the challenge of the two, tale of two cities, right? That what happened when, when, when we abdicated downtown as the focus and the center of our lives, when, when, when first Manchester Center was built and then Fashion Fair was built and then River Park was built and, and we gradually increased that, that, that donut hole in the middle that wasn't getting taken care of. Back in the day when they first started planning Fresno as a city, nobody ever thought of, okay, you know, we should just think about future generations and we should plant a bunch of trees. Unless you know, Huntington Boulevard and Kearney Boulevard are two uh, uh, examples that are outliers for that. But in the actual neighborhoods themselves, uh, you know, around, around um, like uh, Mackenzie Street or, or uh, Orchard, or I'm trying to think of someplace on the west side, like around, like around uh, the Polk Avenue and the Highway City area. They just built houses. They didn't think about, okay, what kind of amenities do we really want to have that'll make this a really, truly a great neighborhood to live in? We just kind of forgot that during the, the 60s and 70s. And so when the new developers came, came in, uh, in, the, in the late 80s and then through top 2000, and everything just kind of exploded toward Northeast Fresno, they, they worked with the city at the time to say, listen, we're going to put in parks. We're going to put in um, little shopping centers. We're going to make sure that we've got all the trails and everything. We're going to make sure we have the amenities and we'll pay into an infill fee. We'll, we'll, we'll have a development like a, like it's called a, a CFD, which is, you know, it's a, it's a commercial development thing where that you would get extra taxpayer money as a resident that you pay into paying for city services to take care of stuff. Well, while we were doing that, and that was all great for those new residents, we never went back and said, okay, let's go back and take care of the folks that we kind of left behind. 
We just left the status quo. That was fine. And, and what's frustrating about that is that now we're sitting here with, and that's one of the reasons why Measure P kind of popped up, we're $150 million in deferred maintenance on our parks. That's, that's $150 million just to get the parks up to what the standard should be. Not to make them great, just to fix them up and repair them. We're close to $1 billion. I, use the, I want to hit that B really hard. We're close to $1 billion in deferred maintenance on streets and, and sidewalks. And, and that's, we're never going to retrieve that. We're never going to catch up unless people are willing to come in and start investing to help us grow that pie so that we've got more sales tax, more property tax, more income tax revenue that can help take care of those services. So again, you, you've got the new administration has come in and Mayor Dyer has said, look, I'm not settling for status quo. We're all in this together. So guys in North Fresno, you're going to have to help us out a little bit, right? Those are those, those challenges. It, it, so I said, on the simple aspect of it, the answer is, yeah, it just depends on who's living where and whether or not they care. But if we can kind of show them that we're caring from the city's standpoint, maybe they join us in those efforts and we can kind of tackle this as, as one Fresno, if you'll pardon me for using the, the mayor's new you know, slogan for, for his administration. Right. And it's important to remember for those people living in North Fresno that the city helped pay for the sprawl and the expansion that made your home available to you. Right. And so it is your way of giving back for the home you have. Yeah. And I, well, it's, it's, the, it's the same kind of argument you'd hear. Well, why, why, am I, why am I paying money to the state you know, to help them build a, a railroad someplace or to build a bridge over here in San Francisco? It's like, well, because those folks helped to pay for your highways and your airports and whatever when this city was being established. It's, it's, again, it's that shared sense of responsibility that we have for each other, right? Let's just make it happen, man. Why, why, why complain about that? If it's good for you, it's going to be good for them. Yeah. Well, so one of the things I hear, too, about, um, and I don't know the accuracy of this, but, um, you know, in neighborhoods where there's a lot of transients, um, that that it's it's harder to maintain a sense of ownership in those neighborhoods. Although right. I don't know if there's like it's hard to know if there's hard data that says because there are transient communities uh, in in big cities where you have young professionals moving in and out that are not necessarily you know not well kept neighborhoods. So do you think transients is a uh, is a factor here? I think that again, whenever you 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 are more likely to want to invest in your house, your neighborhood, your city, if you have planted roots there. Because if, if, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm gonna be moving on in six, 12, 18 months anyway, you're, you're, not, gonna, you're not gonna invest anything, certainly emotionally, into, into where you live, and, and definitely not financially. It, it just, it doesn't make sense, right? So the, the more that you can encourage folks, even if they're living in a multifamily residential area, that you can encourage them to stay, uh, you know, kind of, kind of locked into that neighborhood. Um, you know, but certainly the more single family, we've got a high percentage of, of, of multifamily residential or multi-unit residential uh, uh, complexes here in Fresno. As opposed, I was surprised when I moved here that we didn't really have a majority of our of our of our properties here 
aren't single family residential. Um, they're, they're, they're young people who are just kind of moving in and out. And it's hard for those folks to, to, to go, go to them and say, okay, listen, we want you to invest. Well, yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to be here in, in 12 months. So, so why do I put the effort in? Again, even if it's just on a mental standpoint. Now, some people are more, are more you know, I'd say they're more disposed or they've got more of a, I mean, I don't care where I live. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest for the time that I'm there. But overall, it's more difficult to get those folks to really kind of buy into, we've got a plan for this city. We got a plan for this, this, this neighborhood. We have a plan for your house that lat that reaches out for 20 years, right? So here's what we're going to do. And, and because we're, we're so immediate nowadays, because we so much want instant gratification, it's like, okay, yeah, but what are you going to do for me now? Yeah. Well, you're not going to fix the sidewalk now. Okay. Then I, I don't care. You know, yeah. do, do, do what you need to do. And so that's the, that's the, that's to me the biggest challenge that, that Fresno has in front of us, you know, as we're looking to, and I'm, again, I'm going to put this back into the perspective of, of beautify Fresno, but you know, you've, you've also got, you know, as, as a guest here, uh, not only uh, somebody whose hobby kind of is urban planning, but mm -hmm. also is again, used is paid to talk for a living. So you're just, you know, you're going to, you're going to get my opinions, yeah, yeah, you please. know, but, but the important thing I think for us, is to again, if, we, if, if Beautify Fresno can just help to establish the fact that there's a lot of people around here that care, okay? Um, the biggest, the, the only complaint that I've ever really gotten, or the only negative comments that I've ever really gotten about this initiative, where people say, Well, I don't know why you're bothering because it's just going to get messed up again. It's like, you know what? Wow, that's an excellent point. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, hey, while I'm asking about it, is everything okay at your house? Because those dishes are probably really piling up there around the sink. Because if you just wash them, they're just going to get dirty again. That backyard, your 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 weeds are probably like 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 shoulder high right now. I'm sure you're not washing the kids or anything or picking up. Yeah, of course you do it. Yeah, and of course it's going to get dirty again. So you do it again. Yeah. You just keep doing it. Why? Because you can. Yeah. And when you say you can. And, and again, you're not allowing it just to let go, right? Let's, let's, let's increase the, the desire for investment. Even if it's on an in, a small, individual, just my yard level. Right. And, and if we get enough of those people together, you know, and we're, it's, it's kind of like playing the game risk. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this little community here, this little country here, and then I'm going to add to that country. And then pretty soon, all of a sudden, I've got a lot more resources at my disposal. That, right. to me, that's, that's actually really a, a, an exciting opportunity for this initiative and, and for me personally to try to convince people that, you know what, it's two hours a weekend, makes a big difference when you're finished. And guess what? If we keep doing these enough times, if, if I can replicate that now instead of doing just one event, I got three or four people doing smaller events at the same time, and that starts to grow. People are saying, well, okay, I don't, I'm in wait for the city. I'm just going to grab a hefty bag and, and a pair of work gloves, and I'm just going to go around and fix stuff. I'm just going to go around and paint. I'm just going to go whatever. That, that to me, and again, I know that's, that's you know, and, and I'm, 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 you know, really kind of, I'm, I'm a conservative at heart. But I'm also, from a conservative standpoint, I think it's important for conservatives to also be 
environmentally conscious, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to be want to support doing a better job of taking care of the world that we live in because it's the only one we got, yeah. right? It just makes more sense. And even from a business standpoint, I, I, get a, I, get, I, get a, I get a better environment so it's more attractive to pe for people to live here. Then it's more attractive for people to work, work here. I got a better workforce now because I've got people that are just, you know, they're all, you know what? We're willing to pitch in together and do what's best for the community. And now all of a sudden that rising tide lifts all boats. It's, you know, I, I know that and people are going to call me naive, but guess what? It's the only, it, I'll, I'll leave it with this. It, and I, I, I say this uh, at the end of every single one of our events before I send people out. It's an episode of the West Wing. And, uh, and uh, President Bartlett has just gotten, you know, announced Josh is his, his new deputy communications director. And he says, Josh, never forget that a, a small committed group of people can change the world. You want to know why? And Josh says, or Will, I'm sorry, it's Will. It's, it, and Will says, because they're the only ones that ever have. Yeah. That, that's, that's what Beautify Fresno is about. It's a yeah. small committed group of people who are trying to change the world. Come on and join us, man. Many and hands think, make light work. And know? I think it's a great thing for uh, progressives and conservatives to align on. You know, mm -hmm. something that taking care of neighborhoods is something that can be a, a perfect bridging thing uh, between different political perspectives. And yeah. I think the word, you know, obviously the uh, semantic similarity between conservative and conservation is there for yes. a reason. Um, and I, no, I will it say, absolutely is. I will say this, um, and you know, I'm married to a therapist, so it's obviously uh, this is influencing this, but sometimes when you're in a bad way and there, if mm -hmm. you look at someone that's got a dirty front yard or trash piled up, there's probably stuff going on personally mm -hmm. to them. That's important as well. Uh, sometimes just doing something to something small to improve your surroundings can have a major effect on your psychology. So whether that's just mowing the lawn or just taking the trash out, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with people like, you know, addicts, for example, and you're helping them, you know, try to change, you know, some, oftentimes it's just those little steps that you take to have some control well, it, over your it, life that are important. And, and we see this in, in, in other places, for instance, you know, when I, I talk with, with Zach Dara and the folks down at the Pavarello house, and one of the things that they do, which I think is, is, is exceptional, is that their residents, you know, they, they, they've got to go around in the morning and pick up around the, around the neighborhood. But again, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a singular focus with a tangible result. And when you're finished, you look around and, and, you, and you, you reinforce that by saying, hey guys, look around here, man. Remember all that garbage that was out here before and it's all gone? Doesn't look great now? And they get a sense of accomplishment, even though they know the next morning they're going to have to do the whole drill all over again. But because they have made the conscious choice to say, for this moment, for this particular area, I'm going to do something that, that I know I can control, that I know when I look back, I will have a sense of accomplishment, and then I'll feel gratification. And, and that sense of gratification, because of that, that accomplishment that just happened, goes a long way toward, you know, and I, I don't mean to get into your wife's territory here, but I believe it goes a long way toward starting to reestablish a sense of self-worth, mm -hmm. right? And once that starts happening and you build on that, then all of a sudden this person becomes a much more, more functioning adult, 
you know, and is able to start making decisions that, that aren't uh, begun or at least instigated by somebody else. Now, all of a sudden, that executive function that we all have, right, that executive function starts working on their own saying, I'm not going to wait for somebody to go tell me to do this because I know it's a good thing. I'm just going to do it. You know, I, it's all these things, all these things work together. You know, it's just, it's sad that because we're, we're all, we're all becoming so kind of, I don't know, self-possessed and, and, and just focused on our own little worlds here. It's like, we're all just watching a selfie camera on the, you know, on our yeah. smartphones. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, if you can just flip that around, man, and just start looking at other people. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I live by this, this thing that I heard Zig Ziglar, he was one of the great motivational speakers of all time and a, and a wonderful sales trainer. But he used to say to folks, and, and that's, it, I, I, I also have worked as a political, like a communications consultant. For, and I tell people this all the time. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Show them that you care. Get out there and do things for them. And then afterwards, they'll start to say, well, this person really has invested their time and energy in me. Maybe I ought to give them a listen. Maybe they've got some ideas about how I can improve my life or I can, I can find opportunities to, uh, to advance myself or at least to kind of get out of a rut that I'm in. You know, just show people you care. If we, if we start doing more of that to each other, uh, you know, I just, I can't help but think that Fresno becomes a better city in, in, a, in a much shorter period of time. Yeah, I heard the same thing. So I'm listening to the Obama's memoir right now. And mm-hmm. that was the same thing that one of his campaign advisors said to him, whether it was Axelrod or whoever it was, They're like Obama, they, they know you're smart, but they need to know mm-hmm. that you care too. And yeah. that was a big transition for him as well. You, I'm going to recommend if, if we yeah, don't please. mind, we can, we can start talking about books now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead. Let's get into it. If you, if you haven't read it yet, uh, and this is an exceptional book for like graduating seniors before they get into the college experience. It's called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. Mm-hmm. And it's how good people, you know, it's, it's, it, it kind of gets into how good people get all kind of twisted up when they start talking about religion and politics. But really what he, what he gets into, he's a social psychologist and the guy's just brilliant. And if you go to righteousmind.com, he's got a great blog. Then he kind of explains, you know, how people can it really kind of how people can learn to talk to each other without getting so worked up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like half of my friends on Facebook because of my background, you know, in conservative politics and talk radio. I got half my friends are all on the, of the right of the Attila side of the, the political scale. And then on the, on the other side, because I've got a background in theater, you know, and, and, and so they're all on the left side. Right. So I never bring up politics on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> never. Because I know they're just going to blow up and they don't want to talk. They're talking at each other. Nobody solves the thing. But this book, The Righteous Mind, is just it is it is absolutely brilliantly constructed mm-hmm. so that it's easy to comprehend the, the social and psychological factors that get us into these places where we are just reacting viscerally to everything rather than using reasoning, right, as, as, a, as a tool. We used to do that in the old days where we'd get all our information together and then, you know, we, we, we do the, the kind of the background stuff. I've got all the, and now I'm gonna craft a feeling about something. Now I've got an opinion about something because it's based on what I've read and what I've experienced. But now people are like, boom, 
they'll give you their reaction right away, and then they'll go back and try to find the evidence that will then validate how they feel. So this book really kind of lays all that out, and it helps all of us, I think, to try, how do we communicate with folks that we know on the, on the surface aren't necessarily going to agree or, or share our values or what have you, because the two things that come into play for both liberals and conservatives are, are caring and fairness. If, if, you can, if you can approach all of your dialogues from the fact of caring and fairness, I'm showing that I care about you, I'm showing that I understand I'm on a, I'm on a fair and, and honest dialogue, and then afterwards, even though we disagree, I still care about you, man. We're, we're, not, gonna, you're, we're not gonna stop being friends because suddenly you, you wanna wear masks and I don't. You know, all of those things, you know, are kind of laid out in this book. I, I, I'm recommending it to so many people. Uh, I'm even talking, my wife needed some suggestions about, you know, curriculum for, that they're discussing for next year because uh, she teaches uh, 11th grade English. I said, I think this book is, is this, this will start so many conversations. It's just, it's exceptional. So The Righteous Mind, Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. Yeah, Check that, it out. That book, that book was, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, oh, Jonathan good. Hyde. Yeah. And I, um, I, you know, I, I think our conversation is a good example, right? You know, I'm a somewhat progressive public school teacher, you know, and we're having a great conversation because we're finding our points of connection. And I think that is ultimately the, the point of this, because I don't think our society can e exist without each other. I think right. societies always have these two kind of countervailing forces that are always at work. Um, and I think they are there for a reason because they provide balance. One is pushing one way mm -hmm. and one is pushing the other way. And there is some, there's some kind of balance there, but yes, I, no, I, I, go ahead. I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's, and that's a, and that's an excellent kind of uh, analogy for both of us because again, you know, when I did, when I did my, my talk radio shows, I used to tell my producer all the time, look, I, I don't want people on, you know, calling me up and telling me how much they agree with me or how, how, how smart or brilliant they think I am, or wow, that's great. I want people who are gonna challenge you know, my, my opinions. How, how did you get to that? I, you know, I wanna talk about, I, the guy that used to get on my show that I had the best conversations with was Alan B. Coles, okay? Uh, and he, if you remember back, I think during the 90s when Fox News was first starting out and they decided they really wanted to be fair and balanced, then they, they had Sean Hannity was partnered with Alan B. Coles. He was a liberal talk show host at WNBC in, in New York City. The guy was just, I mean, freaking brilliant. And he made me a, a better conservative thinker because I couldn't just go with the, well, yeah, says you kind of thing. You know, I, I needed to really have my thought patterns and my, and my analysis together because, because those conversations, man, sometimes they were rock and sock them. But at the end of the day, I would say, man, this was just the great, it was great radio, first of all. But second of all, uh, you know what? I want to do, when can I get you back on? I, and so we, like every month, we would, I, I'd get this guy on and I looked forward to that conversation with, with intensity because I knew that whatever he was going to bring to the conversation was going to be respectful. It was going to be compelling and, and it, was, it was thoroughly researched, you know, so that we break away and say, listen, I, I still disagree with you, but man, you know your stuff. And, and, you, and, and the more that we can kind of walk into conversations without putting that wall up first, you know, that we see somebody, the way we look, the way they look or whatever, you just figure, okay, I, I, 
I don't nothing come with them, so I don't want to talk to them. Or if they start talking to me, I'm going to get in their face. Why? What's the point? You know. Yeah. Anyway, and we just need to, you know, the silo thing. It just makes us bad at whatever we are. It makes bad progressives, bad conservatives. When you only hear people that agree with you, you get sloppy. You get super sloppy. And you know, the world is not going to improve with sloppy ideas and sloppy thinking. We need very, you know, and I, and at the end of the day, like the point is not to agree. The point is to sharpen, right? To sharpen mm-hmm. and clarify. Um, and I think that can only be done when you're sitting with people that are different than you. Um, yes. And, you know, the problem is, is that our, you know, generationally we're more segregated, cons- yeah. uh, politically we're more well, segregated. And, and, and social media has, has pushed that to the extreme, I think. For sure. I, I think, you know, it's like it's too easy for us to find a little cocoon of, 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 uh, of, of similar believers, you know, and we're just going to talk in an echo chamber back and forth with each other. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while, one of us will reach out and we'll pull a tidbit of information and then we all share it as if it's gospel. And, and, and then when we try to, you know, regurgitate it to somebody else who doesn't think that way and they don't get that reaction, well, I'm done with them because I just want, I want to be around people who are constantly making me feel like I'm brilliant. You know, that's, that, that doesn't get us anywhere. That doesn't grow us as individuals. It certainly doesn't grow us as a society. So this is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you reached out to me. I wish I'd known about this, uh, this podcast. Well, so, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I'm, you know, the, the goal here really is to highlight people that are doing things to help the city of Fresno. And I know you're doing a lot. Can we talk to close a little bit about some of the yeah. next projects Beautify Fresno is working on and kind of what your vision is for the next few years? So, because right now I'm, I'm, I'm literally building the plane as I'm flying it, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so we're, we're starting out, you know, the, all the advice that we got, uh, from other cities that have been doing stuff like this was to try not to do too much too fast, even though you really want to get at it like all immediately. So we're really focusing on what we think are the biggest areas of concern in the city, most of them to the South and West. Um, but the goal is eventually to start now with, with these, these individual projects to, to make sure that we're fixing the mechanism within the city to be able to respond with our crews to pick up illegal dumping and take care of graffiti and, you know, code enforcement issues, you know, in, in, in certain you know, private properties, but, but to, to continue to build on that so that we then have a self-perpetuating system where a group has said, listen, based on what you're doing, I'm going to pick this park and now I'm going to adopt it. And I'm going to be, that's going to be part of our, our monthly thing. Once a month, we're going to come out, City's going to provide the supplies. We'll just provide the manpower and we're just going to clean. And we're going to do that every month so we don't have to think about where, where else can we clean, right? Where, what else can we do to pick up or paint or, or fix? We've got major events that are coming up. Uh, our next big one is uh, uh, April 24th. It's the Great American Cleanup. It's part of the, uh, the Keep America Beautiful. All the affiliates do it, usually right around Earth Day. And so we're going to have over 500 volunteers working simultaneously in 12 different locations around the city on cleanup and beautification projects that morning. And then afterwards, we're going to get together over to Grizzlies, uh, the parking lot there downtown on H Street, have a big thank you celebration. We'd like to do something just for youth. And I'm looking at November 6th as a big youth service day. And, and I would like to get over 1,000 students 
uh, middle and high school, maybe even grade school level, to, to clean up their campuses or just go around their neighborhoods. And again, we'll provide the supplies, we'll pick up the trash afterwards, or we'll you know, pick up the paint or whatever you're doing afterwards. Uh, and, and it's to try to grow those things. And the third thing I really desperately want to do, and this is again the, art, the, the artistic element uh, of, my, of my personality, Fresno can be one of the great mural cities in America. We, we're already well on our way. It's, it's a great place to go around. From, from, I'd love to see these kind of murals propagate everywhere. And they can have different themes. And I'm looking at, at grants right now. But I want to commission local. I want to be able to have the financial resources to commission local artists, work with the Fresno Arts Council to say, we're going to put a mural up here. We're going to put a mural up underneath this highway against this building, down these alleys, you know, and so that when you literally people will travel to Fresno to look to do a tour of all of the murals that we have set up, you know, street art to work on the sidewalks to turn parking lots into into plazas where people can kind of, you know, enjoy. those are all big, hairy, audacious goals that I have for this that I'd like to see within the next five years. And then we're also working on a landscaping index that 10 years down the road uh, will help to make us a greener city as well. Well, these are all amazing projects and they're, they sound great. And I, I'm, I am so excited. I, I, I love, I love murals and I think they give the city that, that kind of character. Um, and the character's already there, but it's, it's, yep. it's giving it a canvas, you know? Um, well, and, and, and again, letting people know this is, this is what we think is important. Yeah. This, this is a priority for us, you know? Okay. It's, it's like, you know, it, it, people say all the time, well, show me your budget, I'll show you your priorities. Okay, yeah. well, you know, we're gonna, they're gonna sink $5 million into Beautify Fresno next year. Let's go. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me, Mark. I really appreciate it. Oh, listen, this has been a real pleasure. And, uh, uh, you know, I, as, a, as a guy who did my first podcast back in 1998, <laughs> um, uh, it's great to see this element starting to really, you know, begin to flourish. So, uh, uh I'm excited. And I'm, I'm certainly going to be listening to more of your, uh, more of your work going on here. Feel free to, to, to call me back anytime you, you get tired in the rotation and we'll, we'll pick other subjects besides books, food, and, and, and beautification. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, you can support the podcast either by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.